sensual education. Elevate hearts and minds to the portals of the soul. The father who falsely thought he had it all figured out by Walter Baum, first published in Age of Innocence. Playing Prometheus. The novels of Henry James are not sold at baby superstores. But is the Jamesian aesthetic of a central education more essential than butt cream and a diaper warmer? If you've already stopped reading, wait, or listening, stop, please. My wife said I should take out all references to Henry James for fear of being a literary snob. I'm not, at least not anymore, but let's get back to the children. Art and music were crucial for the fire engine red colored nursery. Would infant Madeline appreciate a compendium on the history of art? Would she like to know the difference between a Monet and a Manet before preschool? If she did, would she be bullied? The first book we bought her, while still in utero, was People of the World. Look, all of us have bones, but some people actually put bones through noses. Henry James, someone perhaps, and bear with me, who may not have appreciated bones as a fashion accessory, was an American novelist with one foot in the 19th century and the other in 20th century modernism, considered European capitals as models for his sensual education. Whether it was the twilight reflected on the old port in Marseille, or the Campo di Fiore market of Rome, or the rain-drenched Rue Fortere Escalaire de Montmartre, Henry James saw European sensibilities as the touchstone for a well-rounded education. Classrooms and nurseries can provide only a surface appreciation of the senses. Of course, Henry James had capital and no children. We had children and little capital. His children were his characters, his subjects. Many times, women, Daisy Miller, Isabel Archer, Millie Thiel. When I was poor and a college student, I had plenty of money to travel and live and study for a while in Europe. I wondered, since such experiences helped me and my wife Mary Jane with our penniless perambulations before children, could a sensual education be provided in southern New Jersey, where the denizens proclaim water for water and use for you? Could I be a guide for my children, or would Mary Jane be better? with not a snobby bone in her body. Well, it's a good thing about yin and yang. Playing Prometheus, what trouble was I getting into? The central education started not so much with the hands, but the bristles of my beard. When Madeline's tender face met my razor whiskers, she recoiled like Sid Vicious at a hoedown. Mary Jane made him groused about my picky face, but within minutes with Madeline, my face was as smooth as the voice of Marvin Gaye. In our garden, the central education continued. I rubbed lavender under her nose, then mint, oregano, maybe manure. Organic, of course. When mom was away, the house became a Barcelona nightclub. By then, our second daughter Nancy had arrived, and Nancy shook her baby prison, aka the pack and play, violently to PSB's sexy northerner. Did she want to free herself to the beats of Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, Led Zeppelin, Putumayo World Music, and the Pet Shop Boys? In the woods, Malin heard the squawk of a blue jay and felt the caress of a breeze. There, she uttered her first sentence. I got a stick! She commenced to club me on the head from her baby backpack. 
Was this more about liberation than playing Ringo? Anyway, I sure hope you're still here. Part two, clothing Prometheus. One Sunday afternoon, Madeline, backpack no longer, sat on the cold tile of the Philadelphia Art Museum. She drew a picture of the gilded goddess Diana, that prominent symbol of the hunt. Meanwhile, Mary Jane chased Nancy, finding swimming in fountains more sensory than watching the broad strokes of Van Gogh. The Augustus St. Gaudens statue was regilded and replaced at the Philadelphia Museum of Art in 1932. For 32 years, Diana commanded the heights of Madison Square Garden. I'd read about the artist in David uh, McCullough's fine book, The Greater Journey, Americans in Paris. However, Madeline drew Diana with frilly clothes of purple and pink. She must be cold, she said. Was it just too darn hot in Greece? Such innocence, however, was short-lived. Now with two teen daughters, I was fashioning myself as the dragon at the gate. Any potential beau would need to supply a list of favorite books, references from a priest, rabbi, or minister, a writing sample, and a thousand-word composition. Please explain why you would make a suitable date for our daughter. Rather than the romantic in a Springsteen song, I was now the antagonist. Young dudes may have been on fire with a bad desire, but I was now forever daddy at home. The boorish and prescriptive, although well-meaning, Polonius, you know, from Hamlet. Part 3. Disrobing Prometheus. The SE continued years later during a summer sojourn to the grounds for sculpture in Hamilton, New Jersey. A sign at the park of a million breasts read, it was fine to touch the sculptures to interact with the art the canvas now liberated to three dimensions. To cup, to fondle, to caress the art, however, well, that seemed inappropriate and not a role model for a consummate father, I admit, especially with my daughters and a wife and a mother-in-law walking up the path. In fact, it was no big deal, right? We discovered two clothed men having lunch on the grass with a naked woman. By the shore, another woman loosely adorned, was bent over by a near-sunken boat. This rowboat. The luncheon displayed metaphorical sex foods, oysters, clams, <laughs> and avocados. Excuse us, I told the sculptures. We're just passing through. The display was based on Edward Manet's Le Déjeuner sur l'herbe, or those not prolific in Google French, The Luncheon on the Grass. The original 1863 hangs at the Orsay, which I recall viewing thrice, a pretentious word for three, at least in my own sensual wanderings. Did I act then so much like a 10-year-old boy? Why are fully clothed dudes ignoring the naked woman? Why is she staring at me? One from me. And is that really what she wants? I'm the consummate father, not a father to consummate, at least not with a statue. Go ahead, my wife said. There's no difference between you and those 10-year-olds we saw earlier. Go ahead, touch them, touch the breast. You know we're from ours, right? I said, you female Venusians just condescend us male Martians. You are of a higher order of intellect. As my wife, Mary Jane, took a picture of me touching the pale-colored 
bronze breast, my 16-year-old daughter, Madeline, said I was a sick, sick man. Why were there so many naked women? How about some naked men? I don't think it's fair. I agreed, in theory, and we continued along the pond at the grounds for sculpture of the million breasts, admiring the Seward Johnsons, sitting down at tables, pretending to drink wine, taking pictures, wondering if a man on the ground was a statue or just an actual dude resting. I took a picture anyway, wanting some handy bronze to forever immortalize him. The Modern Scholar series gave my art lectures more heft. Did I sound like a professor from the Fine Arts Academy? I held forth on the history of art, Greek and Roman sculptures, the beauty of the female form, and how most artists, especially Impressionists, with the notable exception of Mary Cassatt, who only painted an occasional baby naked, were men. And most men, with the notable exception of Michelangelo's David, did not find the male penis a thing to elevate to high art. Why spend the cost of a home on an art history degree? Mallon wanted to paint a man nude. What happened to her clothed Diana? What had changed? Like a reminder from Poseidon, a different horror washed over me. Why object to such shenanigans? I bristled at my own prudery. A Philistine gazes into the mirror of his own hypocrisy. I could just see my daughter, a modern day Alice Paul, making a bronze statue and raising it on the swelling of the ground for all the girls, a penis 50 feet high and no metaphorical penis either, like an obsolus or a dork column. Dangling genitalia, I imagine, wouldn't go over too well in New Jersey. Would anyone attend a park of a million pricks? This became an ongoing conversation. We observed men acting like boys. On one sculpture, high on a hill, a woman rests on a sofa, fully naked, a true Bromdenagian, her breast one foot wide. A girl took a picture of her guy holding his hands over the woman's breasts. His mischievous grin reveals our primitive visual nature. By the new kitschy forever Malin statue, an Amazon of a model, 26 feet high, a woman asks, she's wearing underwear, isn't she? Her young children dance underneath Marilyn's blowing white dress. Guys peek underneath and laugh. They think it's hilarious. The detail on the panties was definitely sexy. Am I objectifying an object? And is that circular reasoning? Malin's boyfriend would never be such a perp pervert. <laughs> oh boy. That comment passed without interjection. Oh ye youth happy and grand delusions. As a man, of course, I have no problem walking around a park dedicated to popular art. Art this side of gauche and pedestrian on a beautiful July afternoon, gazing at numerous nude or partially nude statues of women in various locales with small breasts and large breasts, white breasts and brown breasts, breasts with snakes around them, pert breasts dangling in the shower breasts, uh, the best kind of breasts, medium-sized breasts on top of a hill on a sofa with a black cat, and jungles with serpents by the lake with oyster shells. Ugh, but what about my girls, my wife, my mother-in-law? Every day they are bombarded with bodacious depictions of the idealized feminine form. I can't open Groupon offerings without slender bodies and torsos of shapely tanned women advertising Brazilians. At least the women are natural looking, Madeline said. They have normal size proportions. Nancy, 13, agreed. Today, we would call, if you want to be nasty, the women in Renoir's various 
bather oil paintings fat. Back then, they were fleshy, and Renoir wanted to celebrate the flesh, to fill the canvas with flesh. Remember that scene in A Room with a View? Ian Forrester shows males swimming naked, a homosexual topic that in 1908 many writers feared to tread. At least my father-in-law, Bill, agreed with me. He laughed when taking a gander at the woman taking a shower. Her breasts forever dangle in the dripping water. A woman's breasts are very attractive, he conceded. It's always been that way. So ended our central afternoon at the grounds for sculpture. Part four, shaving Prometheus. The SE continued that summer during a beautiful July afternoon in Philadelphia. The natural light at the Barnes Museum was exquisite. Nancy asked me about Barnes. I offered some glib answer. He was probably some third generation spoiled brat from the main line, I said. During the film introduction, however, we learned that Barnes was an impoverished lad from Philadelphia. He was bright and went on to study chemistry and made a fortune. Nancy looked at me. Just as I said, a self-made man, an American success story. Let that be a lesson to us all, a lesson to us all. Barnes was not on the Modern Scholar series for lectures. Until I know, I should keep my lectern sheathed. That was not intended as an inappropriate joke. But I was overjoyed when Nancy recognized Gertrude Stein. That's the woman who helped Hemingway, Nancy said. Oh, and Picasso. I smiled as if every 13-year-old knows about the lost generation. From room to room, we studied the art, and from room to room, more and more female flesh. What about the nudes at the grounds for sculpture, where the boys made fools of themselves? In an antiseptic academic environment, this museum, devoid of adolescent men, with the exception of me, the flesh did not provoke my objectifying mind. I did not want to fondle the paintings. But what about the pubic hair, Malin asked, these women have no pubic hair. The uncomfortable morphed into discombobulation. Maybe they shaved, I said. Maybe they waxed. A Brazilian. Do they have it back then? Isn't that what it's called? Incredulity swelled in her eyes. Well, at least Picasso has some pubic hair, she said as a concession. One painting, a woman was fully naked. A Van Gogh or a Picasso, perhaps, and I was looking straight into the origin of the world. A woman's privates of most privates fully depicted. It reminded me of the painting Le Origin du Monde 1866 by Gustave Coubert at the Orsay in Paris. The first time in Paris I was a virgin. The second time in Paris almost not a virgin. And the third time on my second honeymoon with Mary Jane, well, boy does experience change perspective in a sensual education. What's the next step beyond discombobulated? Fraught? Rattled? Whoa, 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 I said, walking away. What was it about sexuality in the midst of family members that makes me so digress? Is it the same idea of thinking of mom and dad getting funky on the shag carpet, watching a heavy R-rated flick and shouting, cover your eyes, as I toss a throw pillow? And what would Henry James think about all this? Why should I care? Nancy thought it was funny that the woman in the pictures with the fairly large bottom had an actual wide chair placed just below them. She pointed out other inside clues and jokes from the Barnes exhibit. Imagine having your own art museum in your own house, Nancy said. The dizziness from art overload descended upon me like a pixelated mist, like, like the psychedelic mist. 
two hours in an art museum is about right for anyone, right? Is there anything more beautiful than the female form though? Nothing more natural, nothing more balanced, or is it just pre-2020 thinking? But still, beautiful women are the ones advertised meditating in white on a beach by the sea, not men. Am I right? Instead of male artists depicting the female form, what if the world contained more female artists showcasing the male form? Would they even want to do such a thing? How would I feel confronting a smorgasbord of dangling male genitalia? How about a gaggle of naked men taking a bath together, splashing each other, the way Whitman depicts in section 11 of Song of Myself, where they souse each other with spray? There is, after all, realistic male butt nudity in Thomas's Aikens in Thomas Aikens the old swimming hole in 1885 are women simply more comfortable with the body or maybe just numbed by it all I don't know maybe no one really has a problem so what's my hang-up leaving the barns Madeline said that she would start drawing nudes of men Nancy chuckled did this whole central education have an unexpected outcome Part five, liberating Prometheus. What was the outcome of all this? What did I expect? Education comes from experience and change because of the experience. I've known many who have traveled to Rome and Paris and Vienna and London and didn't change at all. Education comes from wanting to learn, not memorizing and not regurgitation. Yoda, after all, never taught Luke to memorize anything. Viewing art from a textbook in a crib is a start. Listening to Debussy while sleeping in the bassinet is also cool, but that experience is not textualized or contextualized. It's the reason we visit Gettysburg. It's the reason we stand on Concord Bridge and feel the stirrings of a nation. It's the same reason we collect vinyl rather than solely relying on Spotify. It's the same reason the smell of a book, the feel and soul of the book, satisfies much more than the ease of an LCD PDF. The works themselves are art, the places rich in history, or places as simple as the neighborhood park or a backyard birdhouse are rich in sensuality. We see the art face to face. At a concert hall, the music penetrates us to our core more than simply in our living rooms. Because of our senses, the ale tastes better in a British pub than in my den. In our den, there are no chitter-chatter adjoining tables, no thuds of thrown darts, no Irish fiddle, no cute barmaid, a true African princess, as I recall from a local pub in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the north of England. Central education is the missing link to school-based education. Madeline and Nancy did well in school, in many cases in spite of a brick-celled school. They ventured outside the classroom. Art and shade and light surround us in such simple ways. We just need to broaden our palette. As I tell anyone who will listen, mostly my captive students, if I had to rely on my education for my education, I'd be an idiot. I think Henry James would agree. And about his brother, William, the founder of modern psychology? Hmm, probably. Every parent and educator should lift the heart and mind to the portals of the soul and let the child go forth as an adult into the universe. Thank you for listening.